the United States and the Soviet Union on a sheet of ice in Lake Placid, New York. Muller trying to turn. There's the left foot. What a tracking shot. Johnny Muller. If you see a 9-9, Olga Corbett's won a gold medal. There it is. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Unbelievable. You're listening to a podcast from Key Moments in Cold War Sports History, an online archive series showcasing the work of expert historians. I'm Vince Hunt and I'll be hosting the series, asking each guest to choose an important document or artefact they think is of great significance in the Cold War sports arena. Lindsay Sarah Krasnoff is an expert in French history. Now, Lindsay, the key document you've chosen is an official report into France's Olympic results from 1956. Why is this document significant in terms of Cold War sports history? I chose this document because I thought it was a very interesting um, uh, item of self-awareness on the part of French officials, not necessarily uh, written by French um, government officials, but by French sports officials, assessing just after the 1956 Melbourne Olympics the uh, French results and how they stacked up with uh, France's results in other industries worldwide. And I thought it showed a a very keen awareness of the changes that France had undergone since 1940, um, when it was uh, demoted from great power status and trying to reconfigure itself in the Cold War bipolar world. Um, This was also a period of ongoing decolonization. So certainly France had uh, severed itself finally from Indochina after 1954. But 1956, it's still a period where the Algerian War um, is ongoing and uh, not going very well. And just before uh, the official ties are broken with um, French Africa. Uh, So I thought it was very interesting that there was already this awareness that France was no longer perhaps, you know, one of the top powers, but there is no reason why it should have finished 10th or 11th um, at that Olympic Games. I found it really intriguing that the the report was urging French officials to invest in sport, to really, as a challenge, to raise raise the bar, the athletic bar, Um, because France should be doing better, perhaps not number one or number two, but certainly number five, number six, number seven. And I thought it was really fascinating that they identified certain sports that seemed more suited to the French psyche, a more cerebral psyche. Um, The report notes that fencing is one of their best sports. It is the most intelligent individual sport. And basketball was one of the most intelligent team sports, and thus their basketball players excelled. And I found that fascinating. And at the time, their basketball team did do fairly well. They won the silver medal at the 1948 Olympic Games and did fairly well in European and international competitions in the 1950s. And the report urges um, that all funding and efforts be devoted to these two sports to prepare for the 1960 Rome Games, along with other sports of prestige, such as uh, track and field um, for the summer games. And there's this big buildup that, you know, this will, this will help us sustain, you know, uh, good results. And then 1960 happens, and it is an utter failure in terms of um, French Olympic athletes. Uh, they, they win, I think, two silvers, three bronzes, no gold medals. They finish 25th in the overall medal table, 
there's a lot of outreach that smaller countries such as um, Ethiopia, Japan, um, have finished higher in the medal table because they have gold medals. Um, it, it launches a, what I call a sports crisis, um, the inability of elite French athletes to win major titles and victories um, at a time when uh, sports is increasingly part of uh, the Cold War soft power arsenal. Um, it's also kind of contradictory to the image that uh, President de Gaulle wished to portray of a rejuvenated, um, revived France who has emerged from the wars, um, who has emerged from decolonization, who is harnessing the essence of youth and going forth and reconfiguring itself. So the absence of winds uh, really um, does not project a very vibrant image abroad. Um, and the Rome 1960 Games is also the first time that the games are televised in a fairly large-scale way. And so the image of French athletes not doing well, particularly in basketball, they place 10th out of 16 teams. That's kind of a, you know, lets the air out of the bag, as it were. What was it exactly that went wrong then? The report is interesting in that it outlines several key things. You, French youths who don't have the taste for sports practice. They'd rather do other things, such as hang out or watch television. Um, the fact that what sports facilities were available were old or difficult to access or expensive to use, and there weren't very many of them. Um, it also highlights the fact that there's a lack of a national sports culture in a way that there is in other Anglo-Saxon countries like the United Kingdom or the United States. And it, it highlights these things as the, you know flags to be aware of, but doesn't necessarily urge ways to correct them. That will come after the 1960 catastrophe, if you will. So it seems to me, looking at the dates involved, mm -hmm. 1956, and people want to hang out... Elvis Presley, rock and mm -hmm. roll, longer hair. People want to have a good time after the war, which, of course, took mm -hmm. a tremendous toll on France. Certainly, and this is very much a time of rebuilding um, in France uh, infrastructure, um, the country itself, but also society as well. Uh, the Vichy period really uh, tore France apart as a nation, even certain families. Um, so it was important to try to heal the country. Um, and certainly the youth were seen as a, a way to do that. The youth counterculture um, certainly got in the way of that, uh, part of the larger globalized youth counterculture, if you will. Um, and this is the baby boom generation who just, with their sheer size, overwhelmed the state institutions from the schools all the way up. It is incredibly complex, actually, when you put all those factors together. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've got rebellion against parents who had to conform to get through the war. Mm -hmm. And then you've got all these, uh, the counterculture elements as well. And uh, uh, it must have been a very difficult job to try and direct athletes into sport. It was. And, you know, certainly there was difficulties even trying to get athletes uh, or youths rather to take up sports. Uh, there were several studies that were issued throughout the 1960s that uh, more organized sport would be a good antidote to juvenile delinquency, um, would help engage the youth, get them, uh, you know, uh, help them learn the rules and play by, you know, fair play, democracy, all that sort of thing. Um, but it was it was difficult. 
And the Fifth Republic instituted a series of multi-year sports plans to construct um, more sports facilities, to make them more widely available, to make them more um, you know, free, so publicly accessible. But it still wasn't doing the trick. And it's not until 1975, with the Mazod law when it's passed, that for the first time the state legislates nation, uh, sports as part of the national culture. So it seems that French sport really went into something of a hole after 1960 and, and didn't re-emerge for correct. quite a long time. Correct, correct. At the same time that the law is passed in 1975, the state institutes youth training systems for sports um, that provides ways for French youths to practice sports, whether on a kind of a lower tier level through um, what they call sportitude, sport study sections, um, to carve out dedicated time during the school day for sports practice, or whether um, through what they call regional sports centers, so um, enabling more gifted, talented athletes to train with experts on a more regular basis. So this led really to a, a complete rethink from mm-hmm. from the top down uh, as uh, towards the, the French attitude towards sport and also almost a, a kind of a rethink of the philosophy. Yes, very much. Um, I don't know whether it actually changed um, the lack of a national sports culture. You know, that's still debatable today, but certainly reforced um, the state's concept of sports and its uses. Let me just relate this first to, to Cold War sports history. Mm-hmm. Are you saying then that the disaster of 1960 effectively removed France from the international rankings as a, as a significant player and, and let, let in uh, the Soviet Union and, uh, and, and countries really that, uh, uh, that took their place? Well, no, not necessarily. It certainly removed France as a you know one of the top contenders for quite a while, um, but in terms of you know France could never necessarily compete with the Soviet Union or the United States um, at that level in terms of just sheer numbers. You know they they just don't they didn't have the population numbers to support that sort of competition, if you will. But what it does is it. Enforcing the French to rethink their relationship to sport and starting these new laws and new systems, it starts to build systems that do end up producing winning athletes, winning teams. And I focus mostly on team sport, not individual sport. My research uh, focuses on football and basketball. And certainly you point to the football success of France in the 1980s and the 1990s those players, those teams were trained through the football federation system, which was congruent to the national um, sports structure. But I think basketball is uh, perhaps a more concrete example of uh, going the federation working in close cooperation with the state on these systems. And so I argue that you do get a certain degree of success through these, but not until after the Cold War ends. Um, So really, it's in the post-Cold War world that you see French teams um, ranking at at the top of the world um, in terms of football, basketball, handball, volleyball, rugby, the five major team sports, both men and women. 
And even, you know, in the past five years, you can see that, you know, France has been winning a lot of those world championships or been in the top contention. So there are certain degrees of success. I think that in terms of these sports systems and trying to identify and find young athletes to encourage to continue in certain sports programs um, has encouraged France to draw on its rich um, post-colonial multicultural heritage. And you certainly see elite athletes and the national teams reflective of that. But I think it's also kind of fed into this, um, what I kind of uh, call the second sports crisis, a crisis of identity and who is French and what it means to represent France at the national level. You see that conversation very acutely in the world of football, um, particularly when they lose, less so when they win. With basketball, we haven't seen that yet. And perhaps it's just because it's not as um, it's not a sport that has been as mediatized or as widely popular. Um, perhaps it's that for such a long time they had such problems and it's only recently that there's a sustainable track record of successes. So I think that's an interesting... I, th- I think the thing is just fascinating in that it's systems that were very much created by the pressures and the concerns of the Cold War, but not only are they different from the Eastern Bloc or that of the United States, so a third way, but they also don't start to come into their own until after the Cold War. And I think it's interesting that systems spread from um, this fear that, um, you know, if we can't produce winning athletes that portrays a weak state, actually, you know, in the end, end up demonstrating the richness of the multicultural post-colonial state. The seeds of a policy rethink laid in the in the 1960s in the Kennedy era has taken a generation or two generations of yes. of athletes to bear fruit, mm-hmm. but in a way, sport has triumphed. Yes, I would say in large part, you know, it's not a total total success, happy uh, story, but, uh, but certainly I think it it's a it's a very different one from what we're usually presented with. I mean, it certainly wasn't a quick fix, was it? No, not at all. And um, while the French recognized that these systems would take a little bit of time to bear fruit, a short-term fix starting in the mid-1970s was to for the national basketball team to field naturalized Frenchmen, so men who were born as American citizens, went to France and obtained French citizenship. The first was a, a African-American, Barry White, um, who first played in 1976, um, since then, there have been maybe about just between six and ten or eleven others who have played. Uh, the last one um, being Crawford Palmer, who played on the 2000 Sydney um, Olympic team, where France won the silver medal after a close game against the United States. Um, so that was their short one way to provide a short-term fix. And was it luck or was it design? that uh, the French produced a whole generation of very gifted footballers? Both. Definitely both. A lot of luck. They had tried to design it that way, but it, you know, ultimately it comes down to the, the, you know, the specific qualities of whichever athletes you end up with. And you can, you can build better athletes, but you cannot necessarily build stars.